Good morning, everyone. I invite you to join me in Psalm 23, what was so beautifully presented by our choir just a moment ago. And we're grateful for Brother Anthony, our instrumentalist, our choir, the students mixed in, and of course all those who behind the scenes make it all happen with our audiovisual ministry. What a blessing to come together to worship our great God and to have inspiration through all the talent presented from this platform today. I wish I had a little bit of it, but I have zero. But that's okay. I'm going to drive two and a half hours back home and sing my heart out and drive Cindy nuts, and she is a captive audience. She sings like an angel, but uh, I guess the opposite of that's about how I sing. Okay, so Psalm 23, we are in a series we just started last week, so if you missed it, you're not too far behind, but we're in a series we're calling Deeper. There are some Bible passages that we've heard all of our lives. Passages like John 3.16, passages like 1 Corinthians 13, or the Great Commission in Matthew 28, and also what we're considering today, Psalm 23, are passages we've heard hundreds of times. We've committed them to memory. We've heard them preached on at church. We have heard Psalm 23 at funerals uh, and weddings, but I repeat myself, but I'm just kidding. Okay, so Psalm 23 is where we are today, taking a deeper look at what does the Bible tell us in these passages that often become so familiar to us that it's like we're just reading them with a bit of muscle memory. We're reading them and not really pondering deeply the meaning of God bringing forth his word to us. So today, as we look at Psalm 23, I want us to slow down for a moment to reflect and to do something a bit different. I want to ask you at this time to bow your head, just close our eyes, and with your mind's eye, I want you to visualize Psalm 23 as I read it. In this moment, just let the Lord give you imagery of what David wrote when he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we are so grateful for a time of opening your word, for the gift of the Holy Spirit who indwells us and guides us into all truth. It is our prayer today that you would bring comfort to the painful situations of this life. No doubt we're all struggling today with something, but God, it is you who is close to us, who remains with us to the very end of the age. So may we find comfort in that today. As you help us to understand, you are a loving Father who cares for us. We pray in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who through his death and resurrection has provided eternal life for us. In his name we pray, 
Amen. Do you ever feel disappointed in life? We all do, right? We can all think of things that are situations we want to change, experiences we wish we could erase from our minds, plans that we can make that would change the dynamic and the trajectory of our lives. We all want something different than some circumstance we're experiencing. For many of us, we've had the best laid plans, we've had life all figured out, and then everything suddenly fell apart. And today we collectively come to this room carrying all those burdens, all those struggles, recognizing that it is God who is our hope. It is God who brings healing to those tough times, but even as we come today and we sing God's praise and we study his word, in many ways we're still holding that burden. We're still carrying with us that pain. And that's certainly understandable because life is very difficult. We've all been through those hard situations that bring that heavy load upon us. And some today are here with a heavy load more so than you've ever experienced in life. With all that heaviness and all that difficulty, Psalm 23 has a good word for us. Psalm 23 is going to bring us the hope we need. And again, we've read it hundreds of times probably. So many of us have committed it to memory, but we've often just recited it and not reflected on the deep meaning of Psalm 23 and the implications for our lives. So among many things we could bring out in this passage that we're going to cover today, I want to present to you three points that we can kind of hang our hats on today and take with us to be an encouragement. So three things I hope you'll write down. Number one, to note, my problems do not define me. My problems do not define me. Now, if you're not careful, your problems will become your personality. Your hardships will become the centerpiece of your life. The troubles of your life will dominate your thoughts and control you. But with God, this doesn't have to happen. Rather than have your problems define your life, instead of your situation ruining and ruling your future, God will lead you through these tough times and deliver you to the other side stronger and better for it. Isn't that remarkable to think on? That God would take all that pain and that pressure and that that heavy weight you're carrying and make your life better as a result of it. I've had struggles like you that I think back and I think, I wouldn't go through that again for a million dollars, right? I mean, you've got those kind of things. You've, you've traversed pain and you think, wow, that was hard. I, for a million dollars, I wouldn't relive that. But you also might think like me and think, you know what? I wouldn't go back and do it again for a million dollars, but I also wouldn't trade it for a million dollars either because God brought something about in my life as a result of that painful situation. I'm stronger and better having gone through that struggle. David writes this in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, you ever wanted an eraser and just take, take that one verse out of the Bible? Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. That sounds so heavy, so painful, and it sounds like a major contradiction. I mean, is David just all over the place here? Look what he says in verses 2 and 3. We read this last time. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I like that. I want green pastures and quiet waters, not valleys and the shadow of death. What is David talking about here? Well, there's so much for us to understand. And don't miss this today. First of all, God does lead us into wonderful and peaceful places in life where he richly provides for us. When those, those times when life is just humming along and everything's going your way and everything's going great, and life has those times of green pastures and quiet waters, times when life is good and everything makes sense. However, we must understand that paths of righteousness not only lead to green pastures, but paths of righteousness also lead us into the valley. Life is going to have some low times. We just don't get to spend our lives on the mountaintop. And a lot of followers of Christ do not understand this reality. In times when it's good and you're in the green pastures, it all makes sense. God is good. All the time, God is good. And we think, oh, wow, God has blessed us. But then all of a sudden, for many Christians, you, you head in that path of righteousness that takes you down into the dark valley, and it's, where is God? Has he abandoned me? Does God not care about me? I live my life for God, and this is the thanks, thanks that I get? For many of us, we mistakenly think that following the Lord is just answered prayers and good times and everything going our way but quite the opposite will be true in our experience many times it will not be fields of flowers but hardships by the acre times you might even wish you were actually dead than in the shadow of death when the burden gets too heavy and overwhelming in other words you're going to face some significant challenges in your life to understand today that the same paths that lead you to the good places of green pastures will also lead you to the righteous places that are in the valley of the shadow of death. And yes, God will take you there, and it will still be on the path of righteousness. And listen to this. It will still be for his name's sake. You see, the promise that comes with being a child of God is not that there will be an absence of problems, it is the promise of God's presence in your problems. The right paths do journey us through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not if you're in a hard time, it must be you're a terrible Christian. It's part of the Christian experience to head into the valleys. These are still the paths of righteousness. And don't miss exactly what David is saying here. It is the appearance of death. That's all it is. It's just the appearance, the appearance of hardship. Appearances can be deceiving. I was thinking recently how Cindy, she likes to go to these antique malls, thrift stores. She has covered every thrift store in Troop County and probably the surrounding counties. That's what she does when we arrive on Saturdays or if I have Sunday meetings, she's out hitting the stores. And yesterday she went to some other town 20 or 30 minutes from here and she just felt like she found a gold mine. I don't, Woodville or something, is that 
something somewhere anyway some of you are like yeah that's a good store so she's blowing my phone up with pictures and look at this what a deal and I'm seeing zeros I'm thinking that's not a deal I'm not interested but so I call them junk stores and that's kind of taken on uh, so not to be harsh or anything but we just now refer to it as going to the junk store Cindy likes to go junking that's what she calls it but recently the point of all of it is she sent me a text and she said I'll be home soon. First, I'm going to go to an autocorrect here. You know how your phone will change the words on you? She said, I'll be home soon, but first I have to go to the hunk store. And I read that text, and I'm like, hunk store? You don't need that. You've got me, honey. Why would you need to go to the hunk store? You can go to your hunk home. That's all you need. So I text her back, and I said, I don't think I feel good about you going to the hunk store. And then she noticed she meant to type junk store. But we knew what she meant, right? You auto-correct something. Someone uh, emailed me and said thank you about something with a sermon and was very kind and encouraging. I was so grateful. And I replied and said, I'm so glad you liked the sermon. And I hit the wrong letters and thankfully caught it and said, I'm so thankful you like my demons. I mean, it was really bad. It just wouldn't have sounded right at all. But as we look at our text today, in the end, we're going to find that it's just the appearance, not the reality. In the end, it's just a shadow, and shadows don't hurt us, do they? Shadows have no power over us. They can't destroy us. So know this today, our circumstances are temporal. The green pastures are not constant, but neither are the dark valleys. And today when you're in the dark valley and you can't see hope for the future and you feel like everything is grim and, and terrible and high pressure and depressing and all those feelings, and the dark valleys know that they are not constant. What is constant is found after this statement. Notice what it says. Green pastures, dark valleys, the key, you are with me. That's the great promise here. God is with us. We don't live our lives according to circumstances, but according to the presence of our God with us. But the question is not whether pain is going to come your way. The question is how are you going to react to it? How are you going to handle those tough times? Are you going to recognize that God is with you? That God is enough and more than enough. He will be with you and care for you and, and handle those tough times in your life. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all my needs. What a great and wonderful God. How will you make it through the tough times. Our God is so good to us. How do you cope? How do you face your problems? You can face them knowing God is with you. He will be your supply and your comfort. So come what may. Storms may come, attacks may happen, floodwaters may trouble us, but they will not define us, they will not conquer us, because He is with us and we shall fear no evil. I can have confidence today because my problems do not define me. Number two, God will always care for you. Not only is your God present, he is active in your life. 
He is helping you and caring for you. And David unloads a truck full, truckload of examples and illustrations of how God is caring for you in your times of trouble, how God is with you in the shadow of death. And he unloads all these examples. Let's look at them one by one and, and just say a few words about each. First of all, he says of God, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod is what the shepherd would use as a tool to guard his sheep from predators. And that's what God does for you. He protects you. And he knocked the teeth out of that roaring lion who's always attacking you, the devil. God is your shield, your defender. He's protecting you and watching over you. He has your back, but he has your front, your side, your past, your present, your future. He encompasses you with his love and his presence and his protection. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The staff is that shepherd's tool to guide the sheep. God will lead you and give you the answers to questions that seem to have no answers. God, I'm in the deep valley. I don't know what to do. And it's God who shows up with his wisdom to guide you and lead you through that dark time. I like what it says in Isaiah verse 30, beginning of verse 20. The Lord will give you meager bread and water during oppression, verse 21, and whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you, this is the way, walk in it. God is speaking to us in our dark times. Whether you realize it or not, today in this room, as a believer and follower of Christ and carrying in your burdens to this context, God's Word is speaking to you about how to handle those problems. I believe wholeheartedly that God's Word is active and moving about in our hearts today, bringing application to each person as it should. So David says, Thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. He says another thing here, Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. This was written to a pastor going to a deacon's banquet. That's the content. I'm just kidding. See if you're paying attention. Just joking. Joking, joking, joking. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Even when we feel pressure against us, even when we're fleeing from it, we have fellowship with the Lord. We're at the Lord's table. He's making provision. What a beautiful picture for us. And then it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. What does this mean? It's a guy named Philip Keller. He wrote a book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Listen to what he says about this. Sheep are especially troubled by the nose fly, as it is sometimes called. These little flies buzz about the sheep's head, attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp, mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. That's pretty gross, I'm sorry, but that's what it is. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch in a few days to form small, slender, worm-like larvae. They work their way up the nasal passages into the sheep's head. They burrow into the flesh, and there set up an intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. For relief from these agonizing annoyances, Sheep will deliberately beat their heads against trees and rocks, post or brush. They will rub them in the soil and thrash around against woody growth. In extreme cases of intense infestation, 
A sheep may even kill itself in a frenzied endeavor to gain respite from the aggravation. What a picture there. What does a good shepherd do? He anoints the head of the sheep with an ointment. Perhaps what was used was olive oil and sulfur and various spices and anoints that sheep to protect it from all those irritants, all that aggravation, all that unsettled feeling and and painful experience. And today, when the aggravations and difficulties of life have you proverbially beating your head against the wall, remember it is the Lord who has anointed you with His Holy Spirit and with His salvation. He is your comforter, your guide, your helper. We talked about just weeks ago. He is the seal of your salvation, a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You have been anointed with God's presence to protect you from all those difficulties of life. Then David says, my cup runneth over. God's care for us is not only sufficient, but abundant. We look to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. What a beautiful verse for us. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask, according to his power that works in us, more than you can even imagine as a better life for you, more than you can even write down as a better outcome for your situation. God, in his infinite wisdom, has it all figured out beyond anything you could imagine. God fills our cup to the brim and it overflows. Then reflecting on the care of God, David declares this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of of my life. Listen, sometimes hardships will ruin your outlook in life. You think, well, if it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. If you belong to God, His goodness, His care, it follows you. God's care follows after you. If you belong to God, His mercy, His love, His forgiveness of your sins, His healing for your mistakes and brokenness and pain, that love and mercy follows after you. Your circumstances may be trying to convince you otherwise, but God does care for you. And he is present in your life, and he is powerful in your life, and he is actively working in your life and in your situation. So today, be comforted by that reality. This God who loves you and Because of God's work in your life, we come to this third point that as a result, this perspective we need, I will win in the end. David, after reflecting on the journeys through the valley of the shadow of death, he said in verse 6, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, no doubt our problems can be very painful. No doubt our deep struggles become sorrowful and overwhelming to us. But as we get perspective, what are they really in light of eternity? Our temporal trials and tribulations are hard things, but they are indeed temporary. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Dear friend, don't give up today. 
in the midst of the valley, in the darkness and pain. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. And then Paul puts it all in perspective. And this is so hard to do when our pain is so significant. But he says in verse 17, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Yes, it's heavy and it's hard, but when you line it up to eternity with God in heaven, the one, uh, our Father, who will wipe away every tear from our eyes, Paul says, when you make that comparison, when you get the right perspective, it's but a light and momentary affliction. So what does he say, verse 18? As a result, we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So whatever comes to your mind is your most difficult struggle, your most painful burden. Let me encourage you today, dear child of God, do not lose heart because you will win in the end. In this life or the life to come, God will resolve the issue. He'll take away the pain, and you will be victorious. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What's troubling you today? It doesn't have to define who you are because God is in control. It doesn't have to leave you lonely and hurting because God cares for you. And it doesn't have to leave you feeling defeated because you will win in the end. Would you bow with me for prayer? As you think of what is troubling you today, would you turn to the Lord with it right now? Perhaps you've been trying to resolve your struggles, make it through your dark valleys, and you've not relied upon the Lord's help. Turn to him now. Carry to him your burden and take hold of the promise of Jesus. When he instructed us to put our burdens on him, Now, for many in this room, you might respond, Marty, I've tried that. I've prayed. I've begged God to help me to resolve the problem, to take away the pain. I've, I've done what you're talking about, but God, I'm still troubled. I'm still overwhelmed. Friend, don't lose sight that God is working. Find how he is moving in your life. Let his word and through his spirit bring comfort to your heart. And I want to encourage us to do something today, a simple commitment, a simple response to what we heard from God's word today. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to commit to read Psalm 23 every day this week. That's simple, isn't it? I'm not asking you to come and 
surrender everything and move to another continent to be an evangelist, not asking you to do any dramatic thing that's beyond what you think you can do. All of us can make that simple commitment this week. Let's let Psalm 23 wash over us day by day throughout this next week. Psalm 23, read every day of this week. Would you make that commitment? If that's what God's prompting you to do, would you just, from your heart to the Lord right now, just say, Lord, I commit to read Psalm 23 each day this week. And I believe God's Word is going to speak to you and help you. What a good and simple commitment we can make to God today. If you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, your Shepherd, if He's not the owner and the master of your life, I want you to know He is the gate to the green pastures. In other words, He is the way for salvation. The only way you can be forgiven of your sin, the only way you can enter into God's kingdom, the only way you can be saved. So trust in Christ today. Come in this next moment as we sing and speak to me and say, Marty, I need Jesus. I'll help you from there. We'll pray together. I'll lead you in the decisions you need to make. And Christ can be your Savior this very morning. God, minister to us as we make decisions for you. Let your word continue to encourage us, to help us through these difficult times that life brings to us, this broken world that so often breaks our hearts. God, bring comfort to your people today. Surround them with your loving arms and help them to have a peace that passes all understanding. And Father, for those who need to make decisions for Christ today or unite with this church family and membership, However it is you're speaking, God, I pray you would prompt them to come forward now and speak to me or to Brother Tom that we might help them to make decisions for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Brother Anthony's going to come and lead us in song. I'll be here to receive you now. Brother Tom will join me. If you have a decision to make for Christ, you come.